Welcome to the Confluence of Ideas, the Confluence Investment Management Podcast. I'm Phil Antler, your moderator. Today, we consider the questions, what might U.S. foreign policy look like for the next four years, and what might be the impact on investment strategy? Bill O'Grady, Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist, and Confluence Market Strategist Patrick Theron-Hernandez are joining us for this discussion. Both Bill and Patrick have written weekly geopolitical reports on this subject, Bill from the standpoint of a possible Biden presidency, and Patrick from the standpoint of a potential second term for President Trump. You can access their written reports along with other weekly geopolitical reports on the front page of confluenceinvestment.com. I'd like to start the discussion from the standpoint of the confluence outlook that has been expressed in various reports, various confluence reports, that the U.S. is in the process of withdrawing from its post-World War II role as the world's hegemon. America no longer seems as willing to endure the costs of operating as the world's policeman or as willing to suffer the negative consequences of free trade on our workforce. Of course, as we pull back from that hegemon role, we lose some of its benefits as well. Bill and Patrick, I assume you both believe that the current anti-globalization trend I just described will continue no matter which candidate is elected. Bill, do you want to address that? One of the mistakes investors make with regards to politics is to focus on the personalities and not on the trends. Anti-globalization has become the political consensus with both parties. Multilateral free trade deals have become impossible to pass through Congress. The feeling is that the U.S. has been taken advantage of in trade, and that really isn't the complete case. When a nation provides the reserve currency, it is forced to run trade deficits for the world economy to work. But for workers adversely affected by trade, the reserve currency issue is lost. So yes, the opposition to globalization is now in place. So it may be a matter of degree by which this trend will continue. Patrick, if President Trump is reelected, do you expect an escalation of this trend? Yes. Uh, Overall, Trump might be a lame duck in his second term, but since he would likely interpret his reelection as a rousing mandate, he would probably try to double down on his approach to the world. And Bill, you're tackling these questions from the aspect of a possible Biden victory. Do you think Biden might try to moderate America's withdrawal from hegemon status or or even reverse it? He will try to patch relations with foreign allies that have faced criticism and worse from the Trump administration. And he will try to restore at least parts of the hegemonic mandate. However, there will be limits. For example, there is little appetite for becoming involved in the Middle East. I expect his focus will be on China first, with repairing relations with Europe second, and he will try to gain allies against both Russia and China. However, the limits of restoring hegemony will be resistance to taking on trade deficits with allies or footing the bill for European or Asian security. Americans are tired of doing that, and so these are policies that I don't think are reversible. Let's focus on how each candidate's foreign policy might play out in terms of America's relationship with China, both on a trade and human rights front. Patrick, maybe you can begin our discussion on this question. 
Well, a second-term Trump administration would probably intensify its focus on rolling back China's aggressive geopolitical and economic activities around the globe. That would be especially likely if China fails to fulfill its commitments under the U.S.-China trade deal signed in January. A second-term Trump policy on China would likely encompass a wide range of initiatives including more aggressive military operations, such as freedom of navigation patrols and forward military deployments to thwart Chinese territorial ambitions. It would likely include tougher measures against Chinese spying and corporate misbehavior uh, reign in China's theft of U.S. technology. It would probably include further trade barriers and perhaps new restrictions on capital flows to punish China for its unfair economic policies. In addition, we'd probably see more fighting back against Chinese efforts to influence U.S. public opinion and politics. And finally, we'd probably see further efforts to isolate China in global forums like the U.N. and the World Health Organization. Bill? Biden would want to do the same thing, but do so with allies. I don't think a return to Obama-era China policy is possible. Biden has made comments about rejoining the current form of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I don't actually think that's possible. I would expect tariffs to be jettisoned as a policy tool. They don't work well under floating exchange rates, and we may see a concerted effort to weaken the dollar. China will face more scrutiny on human rights, which will not be welcomed by Beijing. In the end, China will face difficulties with either candidate. Bill, you write that a Biden presidency might at least initially result in higher Chinese equities. Why? I think the idea would be that Biden would be less aggressive than Trump against China. This is probably a mistake, and over time we would anticipate these rallies would fail. Patrick, I was interested in your analysis of the U.S. relationship with India during a Trump presidency, which you described as farsighted and helpful. Could you expand on this, discuss what we might expect during a second term for President Trump in this area? Well, for one thing, Phil, it looks like President Trump has little interest in nurturing the country's traditional alliances, especially broad ones like NATO. But as the administration has realized the magnitude of the challenge from China, it seems to be searching for a broad new alliance in the Pacific. I'm starting to see signs that the core of that new alliance might be the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Alliance that currently consists of the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Obviously, those countries are all English-speaking, but they also share a common cultural and legal background based on British common law, as well as a common challenge from from China. If you think about it just a bit more broadly, countries like Japan and India also share that connection to British common law. For example, through the Japanese constitution that was so heavily driven by the U.S. after World War II and through the Indian experience as a British colony. So there's a certain logic to an expanded, let's call it, Seven Eyes alliance against China. And given India's large growing population and its location on China's western border, it could force China to divert some of its resources away from the Pacific Ocean in time of war. 
Having a strong, modernizing India on the U.S. side would go far toward countering China's growing military power. Let's turn to the Middle East now and our policy toward Iran, which, of course, directly impacts the price of oil. Patrick, how might Mr. Trump handle Iran in a, in a second term? Well, we suspect Trump would continue to pressure Iran over its weapons programs, and that would likely keep alive the risk of an armed confrontation with the country. Uh, however, as with North Korea, Trump would likely uh, remain open to a groundbreaking peace deal with Iran if it could be had on his terms. And Bill, based on his history, how might Mr. Biden handle Iran? Well, he will likely try to return to the Iran nuclear deal arranged under President Obama. We doubt Iran would go along. There isn't much point in returning to the pact, which might be reversed in four years. If Biden can't get Iran to return to the earlier agreement, he will almost be forced to at least maintain the Trump administration's policies. Let's spend a few more moments on tariffs and, and overall trade policy. Bill, you've already said that Biden might jettison tariffs as a policy tool in favor of weakening the dollar. Do you base this on his history or on statements he has made as a candidate? Well, one of the things that we do when we look at a potential new president is we always try to see who he's being surrounded by. And one of his former economic advisors, Jared Bernstein, has called for the U.S. to end the dollar's reserve currency role. Although Bernstein may not be a part of the new administration, I suspect he would have at least some influence. And how about President Trump? Patrick, what can we expect during a potential second term in terms of tariffs and trade? We'd expect President Trump to continue his America First policies and to burnish his legacy. He'd uh, likely continue to wield tariffs, trade restrictions, and other sharp weapons to discourage imports and try to reverse the flow of jobs overseas. Uh, more broadly, we think he'd continue tightening the screws on immigration, uh, both legal and illegal, and maybe even expand his anti-globalization agenda to include new restrictions on international capital flows. And Patrick, in your written report, you say foreign policy during a second Trump term may well contribute to more periods of volatility in the markets. Why? Well, the issue is that if the president is reelected and then doubles down on his previous policies, we could see more geopolitical brinksmanship, disruptive trade wars, uh, sudden capital flow restrictions in the short term, etc. Whatever the potential benefits of such tough actions might be in the long run, they would be concerning to investors and could spark at least short-term sell-offs as those investors try to reduce risk. Bill, in your writings, you say that you expect a Biden foreign policy would be cautious, but not as cautious as what we experienced under President Obama. What do you mean by that? Well, using the Meade archetypes, Obama was mostly Jeffersonian, the most reluctant type in terms of foreign policy intervention. Biden leans more Wilsonian and thus will be inclined to promote human rights and intervene in genocide. But he is not a purist on these issues. He opposed the surge in Afghanistan as a vice president. Obama was generally reluctant to commit U.S. power. Biden will be cautious, but not nearly as cautious as Obama. Bill, you've said you expect Biden might gravitate in favor of weakening the dollar. 
Patrick, what about Trump? Given the president's desire to rebalance U.S. trade, uh, reduce imports, and boost exports, the logical thing would be for him to push for a weaker dollar. He's made a few comments in that direction in the past, but we're a little surprised that he hasn't gone further. Uh, in a second term, especially if he perceives he isn't making sufficient progress with weapons like tariffs and import quotas, he could start pushing more, more strongly for a, uh, a weaker dollar. Let's now turn to investment scenarios. Bill, if Biden wins and his foreign policy appointees reflect the positions you've described, what might be among the first confluence investment decisions on investment strategy? Uh, sort of an on day one type strategy, I suppose. If I'm right on the dollar, foreign equities will be attractive. Uh, oil prices may get a boost under Biden, especially if he follows through on his green promises. It won't be good for oil companies, but the resulting supply curtailment for oil could lift oil prices. And Patrick, what might be initial confluence investment decisions if Trump wins? Well, a Trump re-election would probably be positive for equities, uh, but the possibility of a weaker dollar under Trump would argue particularly for foreign equities. Our recent analysis suggests that a weaker dollar can be positive for foreign equities across countries and across individual market sectors. Another key area to watch would probably be oil prices. A second Trump terms uh, continues sanctions and other measures against Iran would likely keep crude prices higher than they otherwise would be because continued sanctions would keep some 2 million barrels per day of Iranian crude uh, exports off the market. In addition, the possibility of an armed conflict in the Persian Gulf would tend to maintain a risk bid for crude. Uh, Trump would also probably oppose green policies in the second term, which would probably be modestly positive for oil prices. And what might we expect in terms of initial market reactions if Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden wins? Patrick, let's start from the uh, from the Trump side. Well, with problems like the need for coronavirus protocols and an expected surge in mail-in voting, the initial hurdle might simply be an unusually long period of uncertainty before the counting is done and certified. A range of reporting suggests we may not know who the official winner is until mid-November or even later. Investors hate uncertainty, so any such delay could produce a bout of market volatility, especially if either of the two sides makes incendiary moves during that period. Uh, we should all be prepared for a period like that, but with some confidence that the situation would eventually get resolved. Another determinant to watch is the state of uh, the polling and prediction markets right before the election. If the declared winner is different than predicted, in other words, if there's a surprise, you'd have a greater chance of a strong market reaction in one direction or the other. Ultimately, if President Trump is confirmed as the winner, investors' preference for certainty would probably manifest itself in a steady or rising market. Uh, Trump is a known quantity for the markets, and his re-election would probably signal a continuance of policies like tax cuts and or deregulation. Bill? I would agree with what Patrick said about the uncertainty surrounding the election outcome, at least in terms of a disputed election. When we wrote our geopolitical reports, Justice Ginsburg was still alive. Her death complicates matters greatly. 
History shows that equity markets tend to take a cautious approach to a new Democratic Party president. But eventually, that caution dissipates. But at least initially, we would look for weakness. There is worry that Biden will raise taxes and make other hostile moves toward capital. But what much of what he is able to do will be shaped by the conditions he absorbs when he wins. If the economy is weak due to pandemic issues, or there is a geopolitical event due to election uncertainty, the agenda may be set even before he, he takes office. And Bill, I'd, I'd like to ask one more question that has occurred to me as we move through this discussion. It seems to me that there are certain themes which are common to both Biden and Trump victory. And that would be uh, a weaker dollar, stronger oil prices, and stronger foreign equities. Am I I correct? Uh, Very perceptive on your part, Phil. Uh, And and the whole key to this is what happens with the dollar. The the dollar is, in, in some respects, really the best barometer of what markets are trying to work through. And our position is that the dollar is poised to weaken on a valuation basis and on a cycle basis, but it usually takes a catalyst. And we have discussed in some of the asset allocation weeklies, for example, the potential catalyst of the, of the new EU euro bond that could encourage foreign reserve managers to use euros in lieu of dollars. But the real clincher would be a clear signal from whoever occupies the White House that they want dollar weakness. And we do think that that is a possibility with uh, either person winning, that for Biden, he's got a history of advisors that favor dollar weakness. And for uh, President Trump, He's been in search of a effective policy to reduce the American trade deficit, and a weaker dollar is is probably the most effective tool he has at his disposal. So uh, that's the reasoning behind it. But yes, that is a common theme. Another part of that theme would be uh, stronger precious metals prices as well. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Patrick. This has been the Confluence of Ideas, featuring Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady and Confluence Market Strategist Patrick Theron Hernandez. For more resources, we point you to confluenceinvestment.com and the weekly geopolitical reports dated August 24th and August 31st. You'll find in those reports lists of potential cabinet nominees and their potential impact fitting each election outcome. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. A reminder before we go that you can also find us on Twitter at Confluence IM. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.